You've got your Laura Jeans. You've got your Peters. You've got your John Ambroses. There's drama. There's... Netflix. There's Ryan and Kelly arguing with each other for about an hour and a half. You know the drill. Here's to all the boys I loved before. P.S. I still love you. Number two, part two. It's better than the first, but still kind of just a Netflix movie. I don't know what else to say. Part two, P.S. I still love you. The second version of it. Enjoy. You were waiting at the hot tub for her, weren't you? Peter! You and I weren't, like, really together yet. And that's why she took the video. And if I hadn't come down to find you, you and Jen would be together, and you and I would have never happened. Maybe that's how it should be. Don't say that. You, you don't mean that. You should go. Don't, don't do this. Go. No, we promised that we were not going to break each other's hearts. Yeah, well, I, I think that we both made promises we couldn't keep. <sighs> right. <clears throat> you got your notes? Yeah, you hear that? You are... I've come prepared. You're avidly... I love this movie. This no, is you, one of my favorite... No, you don't. No, you... Ryan, Ryan, stop. I want you to know. I love this movie. I want the audience to know. This is a great movie. And welcome to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. I am, as always, your host, Kelly McCrillis, and alongside me is my co-host... Ryan Graves. And we watched one of the greatest films okay. ever made I feel like in the genre of rom-coms. I feel like you're being really sarcastic with me. No, no. I love this film. That is... What film is it? We're doing To All the Boys I Love Before. Colin. Two. P.S. I Still Love You. Yeah. This is my first date. We've gone out on a bunch of dates. Yeah, but those weren't real. Um, this is kind of a, the I know I Still Know What You Did Last Summer of rom-coms. Right. Yeah. Where we have Laura Jean coming back, and she's going to kill somebody again. Yes, she's got a hatchet. Don't you see? He's got us now. Okay, this is exactly what he wants. We can't go to the police. Not now. He's made sure of that. He's just out there, and he's watching us and waiting. What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? (laughs) Now, what was it in that movie? A fish hook? Uh, It was a meat hook. It was a meat hook. Yeah. Yes, a meat hook. Uh, I watched this movie with you at my house last night and you were having very visual reactions to this film and they were very negative, very negative visual reactions. Yes. You were very, give the audience something of what that looks like. I can't show you. Okay. That's the problem with radio. Um, I can't show you. Was it, was it like my face is squunched up and my eyes are like, I can't watch. You made wild, uh, shooting arms up and down things of incredulous 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 like like i'm in in parliament and i'm just shouting down somebody yes and that's when i said order order (sighs) ryan and i got in the biggest funniest fight while we watched this movie you were interjecting constantly and i wanted you to be a fair applicant to the film's viewership I am fair. The reactions and emotions that come from within me aren't based on a presumption of quality. It is a reaction to quality. 
Okay, your reactions were very negative last night. <laughs> well, to be fair, I was also reacting positively, but the sandpaper of my negative reactions really scraped against your skin like a shark moving through water, ready to chomp on its victim. That was the greatest metaphor I've ever heard. You know the thing about a shark? He's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eye. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white, and then... Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red, and despite all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in, they rip you to pieces. I, I'm coming in from the other side here and just saying, Ryan laughed at parts that weren't funny. <laughs> and he it's missed. It's not like I laughed randomly. There were jokes and, that just didn't land for you. And he didn't laugh at parts that were funny. The humor is subjective. Humor so is subjective. We didn't we didn't laugh at the same time. But I think you will find me compared to the first time. If any of our viewers will remember the first, I still love you. P.S. I wrote letters and my sister sent them movie. Um, I liked this one better. I did too. I did too. Can I? Can can I can I be the one that tells the story? Tell me a story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. Ask you about love. Probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. All right. So you got Laura Jean, and where we left her off last time is we had. Uh, the story end where it's like, ah, oh, we took care of all the letters and now she's dating, dating Peter. Peter's great. Peter's, he's like, what's up, Covey? Whoa, uh, hey, occupied. Oh, hey, 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 where are you going? Whoa, 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 hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? And she's like, ah, you're cute, Peter. And then all of a sudden at the end of the movie, um, what, what's the, what's J- James, con- what is the hot, guy? Hotman. No, what is, what is our character's name? The hot guy, he's the hot man. James Goodman? Sure. Hotman. You'll have to look it up. Okay, hold on. John Ambrose shows up at the end of the movie, after the credits, maybe before the credits, maybe amidst the credits. It's very Marvel. And he shows up at the door and he's like, by the way, Lara Jean wrote me this letter and I'm kind of still in love with her. And then the whole movie franchise got flipped on its head when they changed the actor and changed... The story even, because really in this movie, they say that guy doesn't exist, new actor, and he contacted her through a letter rather than showing up on her doorstep, which more plausible and I like better, but it flipped it on its head. Well, same thing happens in Back to the Future too. Robin asked me what the plot of this movie was and whether it was better than the first one or not. The plot of this movie is that Laura Jean is dating somebody, but she has feelings for somebody else mm-hmm. who is John Ambrose, who sent her a letter. And she basically starts dating Peter Kaminsky and she's having a really good time and they go on their first date and they let off lanterns and they say, I'm never going to break your heart, Covey. And she's like, me neither, Peter and (laughs) Parker, Mr. Mr. Parker. And then and then she gets this letter. She gets this letter from John Ambrose. Hotman. Sir Hotman. Flame you, Hotman. And he is like he used to read Harry Potter with her and 
she's like, ah, I did send that love letter. I don't, don't remember what it meant, but now I want to respond. And now I'm having flustery feelings. And that's making me feel flustered because I thought when you fell in love with someone, you didn't have to think about anybody else ever. But now I'm realizing that that's false, which is a very teenagery thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically over the course of the story, she ends up volunteering randomly with John Ambrose and they kind of do a fall in love flirt and she doesn't tell him that she's dating Peter. She tries to, but there's a whole bunch of interruptions and so she can't. And at the same time, she's kind of dating Peter, but she's trying to deal with the fact that she's less experienced than him. And then by the time we get to the end of the movie, they, they've all figured it out and she's with Peter again. Sounds complicated. It is. There's a lot going on here. There's subplots galore. Okay, so your reaction to the film last night in real time to me was... In bullet time. It it was, I hate this movie, I hate this movie, I hate this movie. And so... No, no. Did I ever say that? Your your attitude was very much, this movie is ridiculous and I think it's silly. And not no, good no, no, silly, no, no, no. but bad See, silly. This is, this That's is where, what I read you. You're wearing the lens of the Defender right now. No, I just, when we were watching the movie even, there would be moments where like something happens that doesn't make sense. Like when she's reading John Ambrose's letter, um, she's reading it and it's his voice saying the words in, in scene. Mm-hmm. And um, he pauses and stops mid-letter as if he's like rethinking his sentence and then he says a different sentence but that's not how letters work okay and so it was funny to me okay (laughs) dear laura jean i couldn't believe when i opened that letter and it was from you (laughs) wow it's been what five years since we've seen each other not that i'm mad or anything i I was so happy to get it i can't believe how mature you were at 11 god When I was 11, my mom was still putting out snacks for me after school, but here you were with all these complex thoughts and emotions. It's crazy. Reading it reminded me of that time that we both got locked out after school. Do you remember that? We went to the Robertson's treehouse and read Harry Potter until it got dark. If I'd written you a love letter back then, I'm pretty sure it would have just said something like, um, I like reading with you. You're really pretty. (laughs) But your letter was so much more than that. I just have one question. Why send it now? Whatever the reason, I'm really glad I got to read it. Yours, John Ambrose. You understand that that's how you text me, though? You will text me with ums and uhs and like, hmm, let me, uh, I'm not sure. And you you write text messages in the way that he writes his letters. So I think it's quite ironic that you're criticizing him for something that you also commit to paper. Well, in this case, cell phone. Here's the thing. I'm doing that when I want to be literary for sure. But I think he's kind of literary too. It just, it played as silly in the moment for me. But let's let's break down the moment. So he, he, okay. he has his letter, which is very eloquent. And she, she's basically opened it and she's like, oh no, the fifth letter that wasn't opened in our last movie. If you don't remember what happened last movie, basically. So who's this guy you're dating? His name is Peter, and he and Laura Jean would be together if it wasn't for me. Because he didn't even know she existed. But I mailed out a secret love letter she wrote for him. Did I talk to you? Technically, she wrote five. Anyway, he started faking to make his ex-girlfriend jealous. She went nuts. And cover up Laura Jean's real crush. And then everything got all weird, and they started real down their totally real girlfriend and real boyfriend, and they are adorable. End scene. Back yeah. to this movie. And so this is his reply. And his letter is very eloquent and very 
uh, flirty, very yeah. forward. It's it's definitely from a romantic who I would have written this letter in high school. Yeah, and he's reciprocating mm-hmm. this attraction. Mm-hmm. And it's very, the way I heard it and the way I was watching the scene is that you, for some reason, were distracted by it. I th- just like was like accepting what I was li- looking and listening to. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. The way that it's written and the way that there's pauses and the way mm-hmm. that there's... And I don't know if it's because it's how she's reading it. And I'd like to go back and look at it and be like, is she pausing? Like, is she taking a moment and like uh, eating those words up and then going back to the letter and reading more? Well, we just watch it right now. Well, well, if you really want to be good podcasters. I don't, I don't, I don't care that much. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm guess I'm guessing it might be a split difference between she's not reading it like straight. Um, and that's the problem when you have the writer of the letter narrating it and not the reader of the letter narrating it, you have a different kind of responsibility as a reenactment of what's written. Well, yeah, because the if the reader, if the writer is reading it, we're getting it verbatim, how you, it was intended. You know what I want? I would love to do some kind of, I don't know how they do this in other Pride and Prejudice adaptations. It's been a while since I watched them. But you want to adapt to All the Boys I Love Before? No, no. <laughs> The Darcy's letter in Pride and Prejudice. It's such a fiery, like, in terms of classic literature, let's let's see if I can defend this. In classic literature, it's probably one of the best, like, in narrative letters written. And it's a device that's used constantly in the 19th and 20th century. Sure, because a lot of people wrote letters. Yeah, and that's how a lot of, like, narrative got communicated is that a character does a confession through a letter. It's epistemological. Epistolary. Oh, what what was I saying? Yours was having to do with truth. Oh, (laughs) it's epistolary. So in Darcy's letter in Pride and Prejudice, he says a lot of Darcy things, which is basically like, Okay, here's the thing. Your family sucks, and I think they're stupid, and especially your mom. She's very loud and very stupid, and your sister is kind of naive. And he just says all these things, which he doesn't say it in, in such blunt terms, but for a 19th century gentleman, he's pretty blunt. Sure, and as Darcy tends to be. And when you're reading it the first time, I can't remember if Elizabeth is commenting it, on it as it goes, or it just, it just lays it out, and then she thinks about it. Mm-hmm. But... There's like this evolution of thought of when she first reads it, she's like, oh, he's so rude. And then when she reads it again, she's like, no, he was being pretty honest, sure. like not rude, but honest. And so I would love to have some kind of adaptation where she's like reading it, but reading it the first time when she still hated him. And she's like, dear Elizabeth, Ugh. and just like have this like scoffing, sarcastic tone to when she reads it. But when she's starting to come around with her feelings towards Darcy being a lot warmer, then she'd be like, dear Elizabeth. Mm, swoon just like that kind of like attitudinal shift i guess so i never see elizabeth reading a letter swooning though elizabeth swoon style whatever you know whatever the what would elizabeth Elizabeth swoon is elizabeth swan when she's in love from pirates of the caribbean that's it um i mean it's same actress right Mm -hmm. okay that's fair so anyway she gets this letter yeah. Right. And we are led to believe that she's got to write him back. But as she's writing the letter back to him, after she gets permission from her boyfriend, her boyfriend, maybe, maybe, maybe it happens in a different order. But she's as she's writing it, she can't help but flirt through the letter. Yeah. 
hard. Hard. And then, basically, she gets this job. Um, like, it's it's volunteer month for the high school, I guess. Yeah. Which are good, they doing it for college for transcripts? Yeah, or that's it. It was okay. it's, it's so they can get their community service hours. Right. And so she picks working at Bellevue Getaway for Bellevue Manor. Octogenarians. Yeah. It's a retirement home, but one of those cool ones where they're in a castle. I, I mean, yeah, cool. By cool you mean extremely rich and by by retirement homes, it's just that they're retired. It's not that like like all these people are, I worked at many, uh, two retirement homes, which seems mm-hmm. like many. Um, people don't move around like they move around at this retirement home. I, I figured it, it was one of those like 62 and up retirement homes where it's like, it's a lot of active living. This is not really a convalescent home. This is very much like, hey, if you don't want to live in your giant house anymore, you can live here. In our giant house. Yeah. And it's basically for people who don't want to be alone. When they're older, but well, I I bought it, and it's it is a bit ridiculous because they're basically living in this Hogwarts style manner, it's, which it's, is fun, but it's beautiful. It's also in the real world, but not so it's super weird. realistic. And but I've been I've worked in a retirement home too, and there's I think there is two classes of people who live there. They're the people who like stay to stay in their room. They go to the dining hall to eat, and they go back to the room, and that's how mobile they are. Uh-huh. And there are other people who do all the activities. Oh, for sure. No, and I think I know. this home was all of the th- latter. Like sure. there was none of the like It was it was a very active home. Very active. Um <laughs> just cool. Yeah, sure. It's pretty cool. And maybe maybe things have changed in the last like 20 years in regards maybe people had started taking care of themselves a little bit more <laughs> so when they're older they're like, "Yeah, we're rambunctious." Well, and, I and mean, we dance. <laughs> if you want to invest in something, that's the way to do retirement homes now is like Active, 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 because no one wants to go. No one wants to put their parents or grandparents in a home where it's like they're going to do nothing. And like the big marketing thing is like, oh, we're going to do activities all the time. You would hate that. I would hate that. I'm like, leave me alone. I want to go to sleep. (laughs) Well, she and here's the other thing is uh, Lara Jean picks this one and all of her friends are like picking uh, like easy things kind Mm -hmm. of like where her best friend who's super cool picks like taking care of an adopted dog which she already owns um <laughs> pretty clever and at first i think uh, Lara Jean is like really committing to volunteering somewhere that's going to do some good work but she's not she's what? no what are you talking about this retirement home is so rich they could have so many paid staff but they're allowing children the opportunity to come clean out like basements that they could pay for they don't need volunteers for this and so like everybody else like doing you know sorting rotten food and handing stuff out to like people who need it it's just like like Lara Jean picks this place because like her sister did it but I wanted like a sub thing to that where Lara Jean was like yeah I'm just kind of blowing this off but Lara Jean is perfect so she wouldn't do that okay she's not perfect uh you're being a little unfair she's an insecure teenager and I think this is right in line with the rom-com rule of protagonist must have bitchin' job. And this is like, if she's going to have to intern somewhere, she's going to intern a retirement center, but it's a cool retirement center. Yeah. And so that's that's their their version of like magazine editor or fashion designer or something really super duper. And it's, it's awesome retirement home. So I'm, I'm good with that. And who lives there but Holland Taylor, a.k.a. Stormy, who is like, I... Uh, 
I, I lived the cool life. And she's she is super cool. She's a cool old lady. She's probably the best actor in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she's kind of the proxy for Laura Jean discovering the fact that she uh, doesn't know about romance, but this older woman could kind of be her mentor. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that relationship. But much better to have her than her sister from the last film, who I didn't think brought much to the to the film yeah agreed and she she kind of plays the same role this time where she's just like i'm cheeky and i'm gonna catch you up on what's going on and blah 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 and i'm gonna hook my dad up with the neighbor who (laughs) likes dogs but yeah must love dogs so the movie really is just laura jean navigating first this new relationship then understanding that you can be in a relationship and have feelings for other people and Mm -hmm. then understanding what that means and then juggling all of your insecurities at the same time. So what I really appreciated about this movie is that as opposed to the first film, it's like, Oh no, hijinks caused by my little sister. How am I going to navigate it? It doesn't really get into like actual human personality stuff. It just kind of gets into like, Oh, I got to keep this facade up with Peter so that we can do X. And it it gets really plotty and complicated and doesn't really say anything about. Sure. But it is a better plot. In the first one? Yeah. Yeah. The first one is better plotted, but better plotted the way like a screwball comedy is plotted. And then in the sense of that could be good if the plot is really fun, but that plot isn't that fun. So that movie's not that good. (laughs) But this one, it's more character driven and it's just her navigating a lot of big teenager feelings. Right. And to be honest, I think if you combined these two movies where they're their pluses are on two opposite ends of the spectrum, but you kind of mix them together into one movie. Mm -hmm. I think you would have a very complete film that I enjoyed going back to. Yeah. But this feels more like an indie film where it's like, we're not really concerned with plotting as we are character development. And that's more in line with a before sunrise or a Francis Ha, where it's just kind of sure. just going places and having conversations. Now, granted, obviously, we, 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 we would be much rather watching a Before Sunrise than this. But I do appreciate, like, look, maybe plotting's not our strong suit. Maybe we should just focus on character development. And I think... Are between, you talking about, like, the writer or the director or Netflix? Or? Just the storytelling in this movie. I much prefer this movie to the first one because of the character development. I did, too. Basically, what Lara Jean like? Let's let's go rom com on this movie and like really dig into what she's dealing with. She is new to not not maybe the feelings of infatuation and love, but she's new to relationships and what yeah, that brings. Yeah, she's new to being a girlfriend. Yeah, she's yeah she's new to being slash having a boyfriend. Well, I'm not yeah not only being a girlfriend, but she's new to realizing that she is an agent in her own life that can find something of love in multiple places. Yeah. Um, Which I feel like we've all been there. We've all dated somebody and been insecure about the fact that they know more than us. Maybe not everybody has done this, but um, she's kind of obsessed with the fact that her old best friend used to date Peter and like Peter has a lot more experience. And so she's wondering what's expected of her. Mm Mm-hmm. And over the course of this film, she she has much less of, I would say, like, as you said, this was about character. Mm-hmm. It is in a manner of speaking, but its story isn't about how a character changes. It's about how a character becomes enlightened. Yeah, this is a coming of age movie. 
through and through. Right. Sure. But that being said, Lara Jean from the the first movie, the beginning of the first movie until the end of the second one, doesn't really change much. End of the second one? Yeah. I disagree. I think I, she's a lot more grounded in understanding her relationship and her own and accepting well, her own insecurities. So she, I thought she's I thought she, she grew. I thought she, she grew. did grow. I'm not disagreeing with you there. I'm saying she doesn't change much. No, but what difference I, does it make? So long as there's growth, you don't have to be a different person at the end of the movie. You can be the same person, but you can have something more enlightened and more mature about you, but you could still have your same personality. Sure. What does Laura Jean want at the beginning of the first movie? Uh, I don't know. It's more of a melodrama that something happens to her. Well, she wants... So, she, well, she wants to date the next-door neighbor, who's right. best friends with uh, her... Si- no dated her sister correct yeah so she starts off wanting to date somebody and basically wants to feel what it's like to be in love in a relationship with somebody Mm -hmm. she accomplishes that she she gets into it at the end of the first movie and then this movie is about her experiencing that for the first time and coming to understand what it means to be in a relationship and what what that means for your heart and what that means for your um sense of self and self-security and um, all of it. And how does she realize this? Um, Really through going through the motions of actually confronting this crush on Hotman and getting into, I don't know, letting her insecurities get the best of her with Peter because they do break up because she sees a picture of him with his ex-girlfriend and she reads it in the worst possible like conclusion Uh And which we, the audience know exactly what happened, but that's fine. But the insecurity gets the best of her and she breaks up with him kind of on a whim. Mm -hmm. And I think she comes to realize that these things can control her. And she she comes to to realize it. Mm -hmm. Now that's, this is, um, I think where I have a hard time with certain films in not only in this genre, but in other genres where characters come to a realization Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily because of an event that happens. It's just that, time happens and they think about something thus they are able to become more enlightened Mm -hmm. and to me i don't i don't really that doesn't resonate with me very much because though it is realistic it is very undramatic and this movie i think more than and this this these two movies more than any that maybe we've watched so far lacks drama definitely drama yeah here's what's i i definitely agree with that aspect i don't think this movie's dishonest i think it's actually very emotionally honest i do as well i just think the storytelling is weak me too whoa whoa whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, hey hey what's going on what's going on and that's the thing like i i am i i think we should like let our walls down um right here and admit that we like the story of laura jean Mm -hmm. and we um like i i like what she goes through in this movie yeah i think it's a really interesting arc for her character to have but i am not shown through the language of cinema in the best possible way what she goes through so i think it's fair to compare this movie to other high school teen rom-coms that we will get to and i guess 
for, in terms of teen movies, we're starting towards the floor and we will get towards the ceiling. Sure. And I don't know. Do you want to say your ceiling? My ceiling is 10 Things I Hate About You. I think mine as well. That or Mean Girls. Um, there's more, but those are those are definitely up at the top. And I was thinking about it. I was like, well, this 17, is... or Not 17 again. Um, Edge of 17. Oh, okay. Well. I, I need to see that. But the those movies, Mean Girls and 10 Things I Hate About You specifically... Like they're dealing with similar problems of teenagers dealing with romances and relationships all the while dealing with your own anxiety and lack of experience mm-hmm. and lack of understanding and being new to everything and being awkward because you're a teenager mm-hmm. and you're just not good at it yet. Uh, I think those movies work better because the the structure and the narrative and the storytelling is just better crafted. Everyone involved, the writing, the directing, and especially the acting. And what I'm, I, I agree with you. What I'm going to say, though, is that what this movie does is it, it almost, like you said this earlier, you said that this movie is like a, a high school movie for seventh graders. Yeah. And you wanted, like, last night you made me write down a note where in the same way Friends is kind of like adulting for high schoolers. Mm-hmm. I, I really agree with that. I do think that this movie is less art than it is a template. Yeah. Um, It's saying, hey, kids, when you come to these decisions that you have to make in your life, this is a very healthy way to go about it, Mm -hmm. which is good, but it doesn't, for me, make good drama. And part of that comes from the fact that everybody, like the one thing that's hidden in this movie is Lara Jean doesn't tell... John Ambrose, the guy that she's like not dating, but, you know, is interested in that she's dating Peter. Mm -hmm. Because at one point in time, John Ambrose is like, Peter used to eat all the pizza and I didn't like that about him. Oh, cool. You guys still hang out? We do, actually. Is he he still like he was in middle school? What does that mean? I mean, like, okay, at, at parties and stuff, he would always take the last slice of pizza. And then whenever you tried to call him out on it, he'd be like, I'm an athlete. <laughs> I mean, that one time it was, it was my birthday and you made me those amazing peanut butter chocolate cupcakes. Remember those? Mm-hmm. He's so good. And he took the last one of those too. But we never even got mad at him because he's so Peter Kavinsky, you know? Yeah, I do know. Um, Are he and, and Jen still together? Huh? I mean, they must be since you all still hang out. Uh, no, actually, Jen and I aren't really friends anymore, and she and Peter broke up. She's kind of interested in both of them, and she doesn't know how to handle that, which is a good situation. But that all the tension of that is taken away as soon as um, they all end up, all of them end up through Lara Jean's kind of conniving. That's a mean way to say that. It's not conniving. It's just she arranges... Um, Peter and John Ambrose and her friend and her friend's new boyfriend, Trevor, and her old best friend to all show up at this um, treehouse and unearth a what time is it? capsule a time capsule and like um, do this. And, and so all the tension of Laura Jean hiding the secret from Peter is removed by them just communicating about it. Mm-hmm. And drama tends to come from people not communicating as well as they should. Now, 
this can be bad in a movie where it's like, well, why aren't they communicating? Right. They just should. But it can be really good if people have reasons or insecurities or like there's there's a dramatic need that they need to fulfill. And because they're human and flawed, they don't communicate this thing. And this movie started touching on that. Yeah. But it it really isn't like I'm I'm I really am more interested in reading the books to see if there is more drama to them or if it's just a beach read because these movies feel like a beach read that lacks drama yeah uh i think you're right i think you're right (laughs) (laughs) thank you what's what's i think what's really evident is that it's definitely dealing with the ephemera of teenagers in high school but not in a realist way and so it's like it's got the gloss of a high-key rom-com but it's dealing with the ingredients of a realist teenager stuff because I feel like all the material out here is fair game and it's real. Like, this is definitely something I'm assuming teenagers are still, like, really relating to. <laughs> sure. This isn't this isn't a story being told by a 50-year-old remembering high school. This is still going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like like the Roger Ebert in me is is wanting to give this movie the thumbs up because it's like, hey, it's probably good for the kids. The kids will like it. And then Gene Siskel will yell at my Roger Ebert and be like, that doesn't matter. The narrative's weak and it doesn't matter. They they didn't do a good job with it. I'm like, hey, come on. The kids like it. You know, that's you know, a terrible Roger Ebert impersonation. Sure. <laughs> but the metaphor that I keep coming back to in my mind for this is uh, popcorn. I'm making a popcorn. Because we're at the movies, we're eating popcorn, and generally everybody kind of likes their popcorn different. They like it salted in a way, they like it more buttery. But the way that people generally don't enjoy popcorn is popcorn not cooked in oil. Because you can cook popcorn with like the smallest, smallest amount of oil, just so that all of the kernels basically pop. We make popcorn at home all the time. Mm -hmm. And... It's okay to eat afterwards, but it's not something that makes you want to keep eating because popcorn's got butter and it's salt and it's so tasty and savory and it goes with sweet snacks so well that you can just keep munching on it throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. This movie is like unbuttered, unsalted, uncooked in oil popcorn where it is healthier for you. I'll give it that. This movie is a pretty healthy template for children to kind of <laughs> navigate things in one respect. But in another respect, it really, I think if I watched this, it would set me up as a high schooler. It would set me up for a very unrealistic expectation of how people will react to situations in high school. Yeah, this definitely feels like the Disney Channel would have produced it. But even Disney Channel had more drama to their films. Oh, yeah. Like, um, this isn't a Disney show per se, but um, Boy Meets World, my go-to high school teenager show, gets into the thick of things. Like the episode uh-huh. where Corey and Topanga have their prom date and Corey wants to lose his virginity. It's like, ooh, this even, is getting real. Even when they're in seventh grade and like um, Sean's dad episode happens where it's like Corey just doesn't get the life that Sean has yeah. is different than his is more real and arrests me. Yeah. And when it's about a couple of seventh graders, then this movie does. Yeah. And I'm I know I'm going hard on it again in this film, but part of that is the dialogue. Dialogue and the acting, like the acting could be a lot better all across the board. I think the acting was better in this movie. Yeah. It's uh, it's obvious that all of the actors in this film 
got better. Yeah. And if it had even better actors, better direction, and more time to work through scenes and to really get the drama from things, it's just like, it's kind of there. All the narrative structure is kind of there. Like, the the treehouse... Like confrontation of like the of Peter's like actually she's my girlfriend it's like ooh boom bomb drop yeah. it's like but it's kind of there but it doesn't deliver sure and but those things I don't mind like I can in my mind I can say put it aside you can laugh at this in the moment but you can when you're judging this movie Kelly you can put that aside and say go into this with an expectation right but what I'm talking about is the script mm-hmm. the these characters, whenever a, whenever they have an opportunity to say what's on their mind and how they're feeling, they'll literally say, well, this made me feel like this. And so since I was feeling, and this isn't just in Laura Jean's narration, but they're like, this makes me feel like this. I'm feeling like this. Why did you say that when it's going to make me feel like this? And so, okay. And, and it's just that like, like when, when, for instance, Laura Jean is waiting for Peter to get off of lacrosse practice, right? Mm-hmm. And she's at a coffee shop and she's been waiting for him there for a while. And she also has like 12 pastries on her plate, which is awesome. But geez Louise, you don't need that many pastries. Um, I do, but I could never buy that many pastries. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he shows up really late and he explains. And it, to me, it makes sense, right? <laughs> Yeah, so no, no, okay, it so, doesn't matter. <laughs> no, no, it does. Hold on, it like what this scene is getting at. The heart of it is, is that these two people could fight right now, uh huh, right? Because she's mad that he's not showing up late, or that he is showing up late, and he's trying to get there, and he's just had a hard day, and he just didn't have a way to contact her, right? Yeah, and that's all well and good. But this scene is written with him saying, Okay, I am so sorry, Kavi. Coach made us run the bleachers until everyone practically puked. Well, you could have let me know. I, I, I would have, but he has that rule. No texting during practice or else you don't start. I need to play every single game, so it, it's kind of... I'm really sorry. I should have came up with a better plan that didn't leave you hanging. Yeah, you should have. Let's get out of here. What? You know, you're right. I should have found a better way to contact you. Let us come to an agreement that you're right and I was wrong and we can be happy at the end of that this. That is not how I read that scene at all. They they had this... Because I was way on Peter's side. Well, of course, like logically, objectively, if you're the judge of it, it's like, yeah. Peter couldn't do the thing that you're looking for, but that's rarely how it works in relationships. It's not about fairness in relationships. It's about having both how sides. How somebody feels. Yes. Right. And so like Laura Jean was rightfully upset and she's not going to get over it instantaneously. No, but they could have an actual conversation where he's like, where he has a little bit of an ego. And that's, that's kind of the problem with me watching these movies is he I, reacted the same way I would have reacted if I was 16. I thought that's how I would have handled the situation. Oh, see, most 16-year-olds don't have the emotional maturity for that. I don't know. I I I, I think he's like when he's at the when they're at the bus mm-hmm. and she's like dumping him. I saw this kind of like 
I don't know how to diffuse the situation. And I saw this emotional, like... I liked that scene. I'm not talking about that scene. I know. So I'm just saying, for me, that scene works. For the bus scene works. The the pastry shop scene works. And so I think it's... See, what we have here is two people who have the opportunity to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And basically perfect. Like, Lara is hurt and she needs Peter to be sorry. Peter is late and tired and he has the opportunity to be sorry and also to have grace given to him, right? And they both accomplish this without running into any obstacles in in their own heads. I know, but it's such a little thing that you wouldn't want the scene to go into something more... uh, The way I read the scene, the point of the scene is, look, they're not going to be 100% simpatico. Sure. It's just that besides when they break up, every single scene with anybody with conflict where even if it's just little drama is resolved well. And and to me, if you're getting into the meat of what it feels like to be a high schooler, the idea that you can handle situations perfectly is what this movie was talking about, but it missed an opportunity to talk about that in a larger sense. It just talked about it in regards to Lara Jean's insecurities about basically like sex and have, being a the girlfriend that she idealized herself as in her head Mm -hmm. and i see i bought all the mini conflicts and i think the major conflicts are still what's realistic i bought the mini conflicts you just said you're not the resolution of them so you but that's my point is i accept the whole thing the resolution the the fact that the conflict happens itself the fact that they could figure out on the spot i I buy that i buy that it happens in this universe Mm -hmm. because in this universe people react perfectly Oh, I wouldn't say perfectly. You're saying, like, the the thing is she dumps Peter because of a reaction. Like, she's mm-hmm. overreacting to something that she hasn't thought about and sat down with. And I said, so that one works for me. So you can't say it, it, every time they have no, a perfect but, reaction. but this movie is so, like, okay, for instance, um, <laughs> Peter plagiarizes um, Edgar Allan Edgar Poe, Poe uh, during a Valentine's Day thing that he he gives Laura Jean a locket and he quotes Annabelle Lee. The moon never beams without bringing me dreams of beautiful Laura Jean. And stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of beautiful Laura Jean. Do you like it? No one has ever written me a poem before. Like, seriously, this is the most romantic thing ever. I kind of passes it off as something he wrote for her mm-hmm. and later on she finds this out because of stormy and then confronts him about it and he's like look you're right i he the thing is he knows he's trapped and so he decides all right i'm just going to come out with the truth and be 100 honest the way yeah which I, is fine but when every situation is resolved that way I'm oh not gonna... i don't think that was 100 resolved though I think she was building up a little list of like, I don't know if I completely trust him. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that comes to a boil immaturely when she dumps him. But I think that's in the back of her head of like, he plagiarized this poem. He didn't communicate that he was going to be late when I had held this table for him. Like, I feel like these things just going to do that. I know. Well, obviously we as grownups understand that objectively, but it's one of those teenager things where it's like, 
that's part of misunderstandings and relationships. I know, but I wish I wish it would have been an, a real misunderstanding rather than something that was just resolved. But that would have been absurd too, where she couldn't understand. It's like she does understand no, eventually. Yeah. Have her have her like be like, well, you could have told me. Like have them fight about it a little bit. Like all I want is for there to be some drama and conflict between these two. But even when she's flirting with somebody else, doesn't tell them about dating peter and then they talk about it they have this conversation it's a very mature conversation that feels like it's coming from two 27 year olds okay and then at the end he's just like hey let's hey let's hug it out we'll be good okay and then she's like yeah i think you and i had very different high school experiences i think that's what's happening here okay i think you and i have different baselines of like well you didn't date somebody in high school i had a girlfriend for three weeks (laughs) in high school what did you care about her a lot i did in what regard? Uh, as my first girlfriend when I was 16. I wasn't, okay. I'm not saying Why'd I was, you break up? Uh, she dumped me. <laughs> Were you sad for weeks? For like a week. Okay. But my point is, they're only together for like a few weeks at first, right? Her and Peter? Her and Peter? Yeah. It's not long. Like they bro- break up pretty quickly. They, and like They're probably together for, I would say, by by the end of this movie, they were probably together for like two months so maybe three the girlfriend i had in high school we didn't fight we didn't communicate a ton but we still were dating each other and we never fought but just kind of like out of the blue and i haven't really dug deep into my own personality <laughs> of like why did i get dumb I like i don't know she dumped me i don't it's i'm over it <laughs> i'm halfway married now but the point is but laura jean isn't you i know but i'm thinking about what kind of conflicts did i have in high school they all felt like what I watched on screen. And I never had like big fights with people. Okay. That's why I think I, you not, and I just not, have different experiences. I don't well, I, I didn't just, have huge fights with but people. But that's my point is I don't I the the conflicts that I saw on screen and the way they were resolved all felt true. Do, do well, you, they ring true? Do you want to watch a movie about your high school experience? No, but I think <laughs> that's that's what I think we're definitely in agreement okay. on of this is just trying to reflect high schoolers and it does it just doesn't do it very narratively interesting i here's the thing i think i think you can have people who are just you know figuring things out in high school and they are you know nice and kind and when they feel things they don't feel them super dramatically that's i was like that for the most part in high school Mm -hmm. however there we have laura jean who feels things even if she's insecure and she's not extremely dramatic on the outside, we really know that she feels things. Mm-hmm. Peter is a jock who like decided to fake date Lara to get back at his ex-girlfriend, mm-hmm. right? To me, these characters become more deluded over the course of this series as we've watched it so oh far. i disagree i think we, they're we get, more of who we get, they are by the end of this movie than in the first movie we get i i think they're diluted dramatically then yeah that's the thing i think it's a it's a it's a weakness from a drama point but i think it's a strength from a human character point and i think that's why these movies are working for 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 the target target audience is that the characters are way more relatable but less interesting dramatically. So take Mean Girls, take 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. I did not run into characters like that at my high school. I ran into plenty of people like 
the people that we see on screen in this movie and to all the boys I love before like the, what's the guy the guy who's dating her her best friend what that what's that guy's Trevor. name Trevor he's awesome what's up LJ hi Trevor yo bros <laughs> check it out we already snagged six spots at Oakwood Market everybody's in done deal come on Covey let us sign you up Oakwood yes. I kind of thought we'd volunteer at Bellevue together okay I'm out uh, enjoy your fight I don't know like there was like a hundred Trevors. Like he yeah. was so like he was the most honest depiction on screen. Like I I know that guy, but I don't know anyone like Joseph Gordon Levitt at Ten Things I Hate About You. I didn't know anyone in high school like that. Oh, see, I did. Um, but that that's not to but say. But I think they're both like those examples dramatically interesting, dramatically unique. When when I am grading this movie in my head, when I am watching this film and thinking like, what does it do for our genre? Mm-hmm. I, because me and my friends were generally like these people, right? But we still had dramatic moments. Yeah. Right? And if you were, like, if, oh, okay, here's another really good dramatic high school movie. Um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, also based on a book, right? Mm -hmm. We, it's, like, these characters, for the most part, are very normal. Mm Mm-hmm quote unquote uh, they're just normal high schoolers but they're all going through stuff that we feel deeply mm-hmm. i definitely we've talked about this over the last couple episodes go to the movies to feel mm-hmm. um and to be you know enlightened as well so there is a uh, there's a place for that but lara jean covey's story isn't one i am interested in and it's not because she necessarily resolves things easily like that there's a place for characters like that mm-hmm. i and and so i'm not saying it's just a weird genre for them to be doing it in exactly like generally there's something more interesting going on around them but like the most interesting thing going on in this high school is the acapella groups doing the balance for some time can't stop staring at those ocean nights. Those are burning cities and napalm skies. Get ready, Lara Jean. Last year, Peter said one to Jen every period. See, if Richard Linklater, director of Before Sunrise and Boyhood, if he directed this film i think it would have felt different but be more interesting and i think you would have been able to tell the same story i like i want to feel lara jean's drama and there were instances in this movie where they like really attempted to get into that like uh there's the montage moment where she's just almost singing in a music video it was a very interesting stylistic flourish it was it was very different than the rest of the movie yeah but this movie breaks into fantasy often enough that i'm like okay i'm here for this yeah um and i really like like right after she when she's getting ready to go to school that day they they do these really interesting camera shots where they're just straight on her and she's like doing an activity and so i thought that they were doing more interesting things with this film and this film captured more of the feeling of high school in the sense of like 
that sequence where she lip syncs to that song for a mm-hmm. second, that's totally what it was like when you and I were walking down the halls and we had our iPods on and we weren't talking to anybody, but we were just listening to that song and we were just in an emotionally different place from where everyone else was. Mm-hmm. And we were in tune with that song. So like, I totally was like right with Laura Jean of like, oh yeah, I've had those moments where I'm just listening to this song and I'm like, this song gets me and I get this song and this is where I'm at. And you're, you're like in a different world, even though you're yeah. in high school. It was really cool like that. And I think this movie is better for those moments, Mm -hmm. but it really, to me, made the glaring obviousness of like this movie. I feel like the best high school movies don't talk down to you. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're an elementary school kid or an adult who doesn't understand high schoolers anymore. It just says, look, we're going to portray our film and you can either get it or you you don't. This movie took so many moments to kind of nail home points that i don't think it needed to like can can i give you a for instance sure her she's making these cupcakes for their reunion at the treehouse when they're digging up the the time capsule and she's making these peanut butter cupcakes because that's what john ambrose asked her to do mm-hmm. and <laughs> her sister jumps in the room and says chocolate peanut butter cupcakes Peter prefers salted caramel. She doesn't know why she's doing this. She just knows she's making cupcakes. But she jumps in there to remind the audience that she's doing this for John Ambrose. I don't need that movie. I know you don't need that, no, but most, you're not the target audience. I this is t- a movie for 12-year-olds. That's fine. When I was a 12-year-old, I Good hated for stuff you. like this. You are super bright. No, I'm it's, not. It's, it's like when Star Wars fans go to like the new Star Wars movies, like, that's pretty childish. It's like, well, they're for children. It's like when a movie has a childish moment like that, there are audience members who need that reminder, who need that nudging. Well, and it's... Like, and you like, are it, much smarter than them. No, that's right. No, I, that's not what this is about. This is this is about creating. To me, it's about respecting your audience, and it's it's this, and it doesn't matter whether they're kids or adults. It's about having enough faith in what you've done before, not to feel the need to do it. Because I, this, you, I'm way made, more lenient towards that they made, in these kind of settings where it, your audience is not fill, like filled with adults and grownups. Like, it's filled with mostly children. We have we have this character that you um, pointed out last time. Um, his name is uh, Lucas, and he's one of her two best friends, seemingly. Mm-hmm. And you are right; he is the gay best friend because all he does, for the most part is talk to her about her boy troubles. And I have way more problems with like characters as functionaries than characters having a line of like catching the audience up. Sure, whatever. Me too. But the he's he talks with her for about five minutes about why she doesn't like flip cup. And it's just like and, this representation moments like gay best friend here, bye. Yeah. And and it's you know, whatever. Like what I mean to say is, like, she doesn't like that he plays Flip Cup. Not necessarily, she doesn't care, but it's just something she doesn't relate to very much. Laura Jean. Mm-hmm. And so Peter's over there playing Flip Cup, but then he's a good boyfriend. He's like, hey, you, you're not liking this. Let's go get out of here. Right. Mm-hmm. Then later, like, a couple scenes later, she's having, she's playing bingo with uh, John Ambrose. And he's like, I can't wait to be at an age where I'm not expected to think that Flip Cup is fun. Yeah. And it's just like, can't, can't you make it not about 
Like, he doesn't know what Laura Jean's been dealing with. But for some reason, this character is speaking directly to that one thing. I, to me, it's, it's, it, the thing is, like, if it was in a more grown-up world, if it was more of a Richard Linklater thing, where it was written and directed for a mature audience, I'd be right there with you. Disney Channel movies don't do this. They do. They really do. The I went ex- back and watched Brink, which is not a great movie, but I went back You're and watched- You're telling me Brink never has those catch-up lines, Brink never a, has those, Brink is like- a dumb movie, but it, like, and, and it's not well acted. It's kind of fun, but it, it's, it doesn't do stuff like this. I, okay, I'll go rewatch Brink No, too. you won't. <laughs> You're just going to have to take my word for but it. But I just think for, I agree that- it could have been better and not have that and it would have worked better, but it's not as big an issue here as it would be in another film. Like, Why? Because the, the intended audience probably is going to benefit from those moments. Whereas in, in more mature movies, it's wasted. It's total wasted space so, because we're, we are smart in that. But so you're this, saying this is for an immature audience. Okay. Well, that's a mean way of saying children. No, no. But I do think it's for kids six and up. Where it's it's for it's it's for people going into high school. It's not for high schoolers, and it's not for smart. Who is Beauty and the Beast either. for? Well, that's for everybody, and I, that's why I'm saying is that this is one of those Disney Channel TV movies where it's like it can't be really enjoyed by a general audience. It's really enjoyed most by its target audience. And you're right, the better movie is the one that's enjoyed by all. But we are in this ecosystem where these films are crafted specifically for demographics. There we go. And, and that's okay. And yeah. That's and okay. No, it is completely okay. Um, I enjoyed watching this movie for our podcast. <laughs> um, and and I really did enjoy the evolution of Laura Jean as, as just a character who became more mature. Yeah, that's that's really what happened. I'm thinking of that office quote where Oscar will have to play it. But Oscar's talking about like, you know, when you go to a kid's birthday party, what episode am I thinking of? Like the Dundies are kind of like a kid's birthday party and you go and there's really nothing for you to do there. But the kids having a really good time. So you you're kind of there. That's that's kind of what it's like. So, it's like Chuck E. Cheese, and the kids are just, oh my god, it's Chuck E. Cheese, and you're just like, it's a guy in a so, suit. So what I'm going to ask you then, because a lot of what we're doing in analyzing this this genre is saying, like, kind of, would would we recommend this movie, and who would we recommend this to? And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Who would you recommend this movie to? So the that's I, I really do go to the Roger Ebert school of thought on mm-hmm. this particular film and say look if you're grown up this film isn't really the filmmakers weren't really thinking of your experience in this film so if you're a young person or if you're a parent of a young person i recommend this film if you're not so you're saying all young kids yeah for the most part i can't i mean i can't be like except those smart ones you're gonna be bored like i don't know you might have a good time too mm-hmm. <laughs> okay because i thought i thought i was a quite bright chap as a 12 year old and I'm probably I would probably go back and look through all the films that I, I wish I did this I wish I had a film journal when I was 12 and I'm sure there were films then where I was like this movie is brilliant and then come back to was like oh this movie talked down sure. to me sure and so and, sure some kids might feel talked down to other kids might be right in line yeah, with it I completely agree and it really depends on where you're at in life and how much you are attracted to the characters in this movie that you can just forgive everything else because everybody's really pretty in this film mm-hmm. 
this movie, I think it really, in the last 20 minutes, maybe last 25 minutes, I think this is a pretty solid teen movie. Mm-hmm. And when, like, for instance, when we get John Ambrose playing the piano in kind of an Edward from Twilight kind of way. And I still prefer Edward's scene. <laughs> me too. I really do. But it's a well-written scene. I think that actor is pretty good. He's he's so much more interesting than Peter, than Noah Centennio is. Wait, wait. Are you talking about as an actor? I Or as a character? I liked the scenes with Hotman more than I liked the scenes with Peter. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? I don't know if it's the character or the actor's persona. Mm-hmm. I just enjoyed his on-screen presence. To more. me, it felt like the scenes with him and the scenes with Peter almost felt like they were directed by a couple different people. Yeah. Um, but him playing the piano and telling Lara Jean the story about why he goes by John Ambrose rather than just John. See, I thought that was a brilliant scene. Me too. And it I really thought that's affected a scene me. you would have written and directed. I loved that scene. Yeah. And you didn't have anything like that in the first one. No, you would have had attempts, but it wouldn't it wouldn't have gone over because it's just like the first movie is mainly just people sitting around talking, which this movie is too, but it gave the characters something to do in those scenes. Yeah. Like whether it's playing bingo or, you know, playing piano. They really did like whoever was in charge of what happened in these scenes, whether it was the director or whether it was Netflix executives being like, no, we we don't want them just sitting down. We want to hire an actor who can play the piano as he's telling this story. Well, there's some clever cutting here. There, so. Yeah, no, I mean, it, probably not his fingers. Could be, probably not. But I do want to clarify something. When I say I recommend it for young people, I also recommend it for people who like movies for young people. <laughs> because this is something Sarah is as a reader. She enjoys reading YA books currently. Mm-hmm. And like, that's fun when you're reading like a Hunger Games where it's like, yeah, it's YA, but it's also sci-fi. And sure. so it's, it's pretty, there's bit, something else. It's there. pretty bitchin. But like Sarah will read like just YA books that don't you 90% of the time it does have that genre bend, but it doesn't cross over into the mainstream. It just does really well in the YA audience. But she's like, look, I'm, this is what I'm bringing to the table in terms of my attention span because I spent eight hours today doing hardcore therapy. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of want to read something that is crafted for YA readers and I'm sure. going to get something out of it. And, and I think that's what this movie's doing too. It it's is. just like, look, we're going to have those catch-up lines because you probably had a long day, man. And it's fine. This isn't this isn't the John Green of YA books. Yeah. Although I want someone to fact check us on that. Maybe it is. Like maybe maybe no, Robin Robin reads John Green religiously, and... but but did she read these books too? Oh no no, I'm not talking about the books. I'm talking about the movie. Yeah, the movie... yeah this this movie is not in the echelon of Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah, um, which is fine. Uh, I I, I, th- I I love both the book and the movie of Perks of Being a Wallflower. They're a little bit different, but they're they both capture the spirit so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe. These books are so popular, and I hate talking about a movie that we haven't read. Well, I think I think what will my guess is is that this movie will be devoured, and probably is being devoured by thirteen to sixteen year olds. Sure. And in ten years, Netflix is going to be like a uh, ten year anniversary. Remember this movie and twenty six year olds will be like, oh my god, I love that movie, and they're going to revisit it and be like. This is not as good as I remember it because I think the movie does such a thorough job of 
designing characters that are hyper like relatable Mm -hmm. and that it spends more time on like getting these like character things from a realistic point of view instead of a narrative point of view that people are like really tethered to these characters Uh and really understand what they're going through psychologically but not narratively and when they come back to it when they've grown and moved on we'll see the narrative weakness be like oh like (laughs) i remember being super tied to that character but it's not that good have you ever seen the original land before time the i mean yeah when i was six okay so uh i i did too when i was six but i used to watch it religiously and probably the last time i watched it when i was 18 or so i really want to go back to that movie because even up until the point I was 18, I was just like, this movie is great. Mm -hmm. And I think you're like, one of the reasons why I enjoyed this movie much more than the first one is because I knew that this movie wasn't going to try to be great. Mm -hmm. This movie was trying to be relatable enough to get a lot of people to watch it. Mm Mm-hmm. You, that sounds like a critique of its capitalism. Um, no, not really. I mean, it's a Netflix movie, but I, I think this is this is a property based on a book mm-hmm. that was very popular, and it was turned into a movie that was popular, but it wasn't trying to win any Oscars. It wasn't trying to be super inventive, and I... Th- I well, that's fine. Uh, I, I I met it on its level, and that's why I enjoyed it more. I think this movie was made, and whoever made it said, I want this to be a 15-year-old's favorite movie. And I think that's what they had in mind, was the experience of the 15-year-old. And I think you and I watching movies now are more classically expectant that we are saying, look, there's a rubric, no matter what movie you are there's a rubric and you need to hit these benchmarks Mm -hmm. and if you don't hit these benchmarks you've failed and the filmmakers are on like a rubric where it's like no we just got to hit these three things and it's going to succeed and it succeeds and so long as we hit those three things hard we've done our job and i think buns cheese (laughs) burger it equals a burger okay so my metaphor my metaphor is i was at a coffee shop with my brother a few years ago and he's a he's a ex excellent barista. He's he's very knowledgeable in coffee and has made me probably the best tasting coffee I've ever tasted because of his brewing and also his talent as a barista. He's an expert. And we went to this coffee shop and he ordered a cappuccino. Now in third wave coffee shops, a cappuccino means I can't remember the exact specifications, but it's like four ounce kind of frothy latte but mm-hmm. it's a very tiny latte that's what a cappuccino is right and and it has ha- like half foam but half it's, milk but it's very small it's like yeah. four ounces and that's what you get at the the nice urban coffee shop now if you go to out, the coast <laughs> outwards a little and you're not at your super swanky uh urban coffee shop and you order a cappuccino they're gonna gonna serve you a latte and half of it will be foam correct and my brother lost his shit because it's like, I ordered a cappuccino. And that's all he said. I ordered a cappuccino. And I was just there. And I'm like, bro, that's what they think a cappuccino is. Right. That they they did exactly what their sure. their thing is. No, let me finish my metaphor. No, no, no. I, but you're comparing me to walking up to the no, filmmakers. No, 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 no. I'm not saying you're my brother. <laughs> that's not at all what I'm saying. Okay. 
What I'm saying, Hi, Alex. <laughs> what I'm saying is, we can veer towards being my brother, where it's like I expected a cappuccino. It's like, look, we make lattes with half foam. That's our cappuccino. And there are people who go into that coffee shop and they order a cappuccino, and that's exactly what they wanted. Oh yeah, for sure. And there are people who go into the swanky coffee shop, they order the cappuccino, and they're like, what is this? <laughs> they're like, this is a tiny coffee. This is bad. And so I think there are times when people will go to uh, a Perks of Being a Wallflower. I haven't seen it, so this is probably not a good com- uh, like. No, but a Before Sunrise or something. Before Sunrise, be like, that wasn't a rom-com. Yeah. Because to be fair, it's, it's very dissimilar to a lot of the films in our uh, understanding of what makes a rom-com. Mm-hmm. And that's where I will defend this movie. It's like, narratively, I too am disappointed that it didn't hit these benchmarks. But on the other hand, I'm so glad that this movie, as opposed to its predecessor, was emotionally honest and was relatable from a teenager point of view. I here Here's the thing. I do agree with you. Like I said, I enjoyed watching this movie. And I'm not going to kick this movie for being anything other than it was. This is a film that I will have a harder time of enjoying, but mm-hmm. it's but it's not something that I'm going to dismiss outright because I know what it's trying to bring to the table. That way, it does pleasantly surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to tell people not to go see it. But if a seventh grader walked up to me and said, should I watch this movie or something else? I would probably say, look, kid, you can pick for yourself. But if I were watching, I would watch this. I guess so, but if I had, like, Theo, when he turns 13 and we're going to watch a movie, he might have a better time at this movie than while you were sleeping, and good on you. Like, that's, that's you know. I mean, that's definitely, I I think most 13-year-olds will want to watch a movie that is set in high school than is set in cold suburban Chicago. Starring grown-ups. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think it's just kind of like, look, like... We we we're casting our votes as people in our thirties, and it's just kind of like this movie wasn't even meant for you. Like, well, who cares about you? Sure, I mean, who are we really? We're just a couple of at the moment film critics that love the genre. That being said, though, I really, really, really love high school movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm writing a high school TV show right yeah. now, and I care very much about those characters and really want to make them not only relatable, but also dramatically interesting. So when I do go back and watch high school movies, I get really excited because mm-hmm. I'm like, what is this going to bring me? Like, how can I also get to know like young kids today through this? Yeah. Um, and not only that, but high school is just such an interesting place. So when when I watch a movie, I am apt to be disappointed when the ephemera of high school is not as interesting as it could be. And I think that's where we should leave off the criticism because um, like we, we didn't come at this movie as hard. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about the good things about it, which like the acting improved, the cinematography was more interesting. The high school is really cold. They shoot it really cold, which I yeah. I found strange. Like fluorescence kind of does that sometimes, but it was very cold. I I think that, yeah, we should just leave off our criticism there and then talk about what we'd give it for a rom-com Oscar! Yeah! This is, this is lazy, but, you know, whatever. Best treehouse. <laughs> that is lazy. <laughs> it, 
it was but a pretty. I, wanna, I only say it because it's like, hey, cool treehouse. I mean, you might as well give it to it because it was torn down in part of this movie. That's true. This movie, this movie. Now that I think about it, that they go have this experience in the treehouse, and then Laura Jean has a really. I think one of the best scenes in the movie that we haven't talked about was when she confronts her old friend and tells her that really, even though she's been obsessed with how Peter has been thinking, how must how he must be comparing Lara Jean to her old best friend, because that's who Peter used to date. I just like when when they're in the this is one of the the sorry, I know I'm babbling, but this is one of the scenes that I really thought got at the heart of things. Yeah. And they were able to resolve this conversation in a really good dramatic way where she, Laura Jean invites her old best friend up and she's like, look, it's not about Peter. It's actually about how nervous I am measuring up to you. I'm the one obsessed with you. Yeah. And then the other girl's like, you're being stupid. Peter likes you. And then they like kind of bond a little bit and their friendship is maybe prepared repaired we'll have to wait for the third movie i I really am excited for the three call i'm like i really hope she's like as good a friend as her other friend is like i would love to see that i would i would like to see a reintegration of her in a friend group that would be so cool to see but like we like mean girls does this so efficiently within a movie sense where at the end it's like everybody's split up a little bit but then they're all like kind of kosher with each other right but that scene in that treehouse is really great and then the last scene we get is when Peter and Covey, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Get back together. Um, they step onto one of those crane platforms that yeah. raises up into the sky like they're in a 1950s Which goofy again movie. captures the feeling of being a teenager. It does. <laughs> there are so many parts of this movie, though, that feel like they're just a little bit taken from elsewhere and kind of stuffed into one movie. Yeah. That's not a huge criticism. It's just that's what it feels like. It is a sampler plate. Yeah. Yes. A sampler plate of a film. A sampler plate of other romantic tropes. Yeah, because there's stylistic flourishes that don't necessarily go, but it's still eclectic and and so it goes. So (laughs) Robin and I, for some reason, learned about um, Greek columns the other day. and um, Sure. Right. You know, you have your Doric and your Ionic and your Corinthian. And then there's one that's just like composite. And it's you stuff all of those different styles into oh, one style. Cool. And it looks cool. But like when you take a step back, you're like, oh, I don't want that in my yard. Right. <laughs> I don't want columns anyway. But it, it's kind of like when when I look at those scenes individually, I'm like, this is interesting. But when I look at the piece as a whole, I'm like, mm, I, I think you guys should have stuck with something. Where, like, Laura Jean has a lot of instances of the the movie going, or her characters coming and talking to her, and it's just what she imagines what they'd say. Yeah, her daydreaming. And I think that's probably the more interesting thing that they should have that's stuck with. That's the more consistent flourish yeah. that would have, like, been one of those things where it's like, don't lose that. I think it, and I'll get to my Oscar in a second, but I think if I was put in charge of producing the third version of this movie um i would be like hey can you have laura jean like have have these people follow her outside of her room sometime Mm. like i would have loved to see her get so flustered because of her seeming inadequacies for peter that she's like having 
in her head arguments other places. And that's how insecurities really feel. They do. They follow you. It lingers. And that's what anxiety feels like. It lingers with you and you just can't get over it. And this is one of the reasons why I can't get on board with Laura Jean as much as you or like some people probably like her way more is as a character, she reserves all of her feelings for her room, which is very much like me when I was that age. But her friend, her, her she, the girl, the girlfriend, the phantom girlfriend shows up in the car. Sure. So I don't know if that's oh, she does. true. Yeah, yeah, she does. But that, and that is when she gets very um, triggered, triggered, I guess, is, is the word. But I, I, I'd like to see it happen more. Yeah. It, it, instead of doing the lip syncing, instead of doing the flying Take that whimsy and infuse it in other scenes with the the consistent thread that you had from the first film, which which is the the sure. characters showing up. I now, agree. Now my Oscar is coming from my ninth grade basketball um, awards. Like you just had awards at the end of the year. Oh, and I was not very good, especially in ninth grade. Like I was on. You won best shorts, didn't you? There were two. There was your varsity, your JV, your C squad, your freshman A team. In your freshman B team. <laughs> I was on the freshman B team. All right. And the I got two awards that year. I got the award for nose for the ball, which because I got bloody noses like every second game whenever the ball hit me in the face because I was inevitably bad at catching it. Sounds about right. The other award I got was most improved. <laughs> and I think I'm going to give this movie the Oscar for most improved. Okay. Yeah. Because... I really did have a better time watching this film. Yeah, and this is definitely not our um, control for mediocrity. We don't. We will not use this film as like our mediocrity. No, but baseline. Re- remember how I gave um, set it up like a B minus B. Uh huh. And I had given to all the boys I loved before C minus. Yeah. I think I'm bumping that down to like a D plus. And then what are you giving this? And this one I'll give like a C plus. Yeah, I'd give it a C plus, almost a B minus, like just getting into that territory. Because B minus means it's like acceptable enough. But I'm like, eh. Sure. <laughs> and so I think we feel very similar about this film. You were just coming into it ready for my antagonism, and I was coming into it ready for you to defend it. Well, you were watching it last night as if we were watching an F. No, I was just having a fun time noticing the... Like, because we haven't talked about like even a quarter of the ridiculous things that happen in this film. Okay, let's lay it on me because I don't know what you mean. Okay, so she goes and meets her friend in the wood shop room and yeah. uh, they're supposed to have their subway day that they usually have. And so Lara Jean has her subway sandwich and on the way out, like Trevor, her friend's new bo- boyfriend, like comes in and he's like coming to basically make out with his girlfriend, presumably in the yeah. um, wood shop room. And Lara Jean hands him half of her subway sandwich and is like, I think this is yours. Thanks. Yeah. I, I, I don't get it. Like I'm assuming her friend brought subway gave her the footlong. I'm sure Laura Jean ordered a six inch and it was like, why do I have this footlong? Whatever. And then she realized, Oh, the other what? six, that's how <laughs> I immediately inferred it as in- instantly inferred. Like, Oh yeah, she wouldn't have a footlong to herself. She must've had this extra six inch. See for me, half. for me, it that's was my point is that you were coming. <laughs> in like ridiculous, absurd. It's like, no, it's just 
It's just no, a sandwich. It's just dumb is what it is. I know, but to which I say, it's just a sandwich. Other silly things in this movie where, um, like, they're talking about, like, Lara Jean gets out of her first date um, with uh, with Peter. Like, when they get back to the house, she steps out of his, his Jeep and she says... I don't think I'm ever going to get used to how deep your car is. <laughs> it's a big... It's so it tall. Is, it is a pretty... Whoa, it's really deep. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> your car's really deep. <laughs> that line I didn't get either. It's, they were just a smatter... And that and the cupcakes and the, like... Um, s- I mean, here's the thing. Like, I'm not trying to bash it right now. There were just a bunch of silly things in this movie that, like, don't make sense, but don't need to make sense. But I still am equally entertained by how much they make me laugh at their nonsensicalness. Sure. Like, no, Stormy, but that's, Stormy that's... gives her a dress that... Stormy is way skinnier and taller than her. That dress is not going to fit Lara Jean, but she just, like, has a dress ready for her. Like, it's just there for you not to think about it. And I mean, that's fine, but it's still going to make me laugh. Okay, the, but that's that's that's... You're veering towards hate watching at that no, point. No, I'm not hate watching. You're laughing at the movie, not with the movie. So you're saying the movie is making me feel things, but I need to stop feeling those things? No, I'm saying you're like, I'm enjoying it in a way that it's so bad it's good kind of thing. Well, here's the thing. A movie isn't all one thing. Just like a person can't be completely just evil. They have like reasons for becoming a way and they can't be completely just good. They have some flaws to them. This movie has some bright spots and it has a lot of laughable parts and I can un- enjoy those on both sides or would you rather me just hate it for the no, parts I think are ridiculous? I, I'm saying you're saying the gaffes, the mistakes are what's funny? Some of the time, yeah. Okay. When it's in this venue for this audience, for this thing that we're saying it's it's almost a kid's movie, it's definitely a YA movie, those gaffes to me I just kind of like, okay, whatever, they're, they're little gaffes. Whereas... In other movies, like a Francis Ha, like a Before Sunrise, like a Sandra Bullock film, it would be way bigger of a deal. Where it'd be like, this is a big flaw. See, for me, you there are gaffes in this film that are kind of equal to some of the gaffes in Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Yet, you will go hard on those because you don't like that movie. Because Valentine's Day is a movie made for grown-ups, but ma- thinking the grown-ups are eight. <laughs> I think like that's a movie that talks down to its audience. And this this movie doesn't feel like it's talking down to it. It feels like it's trying to get on their level. Yeah, that might be true. But for me, this movie, even if it's talking to seventh graders, it feels like it's talking to fifth graders, to fourth graders even. That's that's, that's fine. I I wasn't bringing... I didn't want to kick this movie. You asked me to tell you things that I thought were silly. Yeah, and that's the thing is that why... Like, you know that this movie is... Most of my notes are like, um, good first date. No, I know, okay. I know, but I'm saying with or the... I think they should have kissed more after their That's... first date because I know, I they've know. made out in a in a hot tub right, before right. and they just have a, like a nice peck at the end. And I'm like, That's sweet and all, but maybe like give them like a wanting to be kissing more and then the dad comes to the door. Give me something that makes it no, like just okay, a little Okay, okay. That kiss, I'm a hundred percent on board with that kiss. Because it's the f- they for Laura Jean They're making it perfect for her first date. No, she's making it perfect. She's she is acting in a way that she is not going to go. She's not going to. They're on this date together. Yeah. But her behavior, she is so controlled. Like she doesn't feel like she was when they were fake dating, ironically, that she's trying to be on her best behavior in a sense of like everything must go perfectly. 
and she is a part of it going perfectly. So she needs every like when she's at dinner, she's like, Peter, you're being inappropriate for this space. Like we are in a nice restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the kiss is like, okay, you could make it longer, but you risk it being sloppier of a kiss. So I totally read that. No, no, I, I here's the thing. I get that Laura Jean would want that. That's what I. That's that's why I thought it was a perfect moment. Yeah, it's a perfect moment for her. Yeah. Right. And what this movie I think needed was just a little bit more drama. I think it would have been more interesting if he had gone in for more of a kiss, and seen that she didn't want it, and then been like good night or something like i no, like in a that's sweet not way peter like i thought him tor- peter dropped you just said peter dropped the spoon on the floor when she asked him not to like, that's different no it's not that's different this kiss at the door <laughs> you're so wanting to defend no, every moment of this movie no i really read that moment of like peter wants it to be a great date too i no, i'm not i'm not arguing that i know peter wants it to be a great date so he's not going to be a gross kisser at the door he's going to be the polite kisser at the door i'm sorry but just because you go in for a second kiss doesn't make you a gross kisser but that's you're saying you want a drama no drama doesn't mean like it has to go bad okay drama just means like like i i just wanted like this moment was very sweet and that's fine hey movie audience I Ryan is so making me want to like protect this moment because he thinks I'm attacking it. You're putting words in my mouth. That's not what I'm saying. Well, you. It seems like you think I hate this moment. I didn't say you did. I said I think that they should have kissed a little bit more after their first date. That's all. Okay. That's fine. Right. Okay. Okay. But and you think it's perfect yes. for Laura Jean? Absolutely. Sure. Like I was so on board with the first date not only do you think that it's perfect for lara jean but you think it's perfect for the movie narratively i also thought it was a great place to be because they had this kind of inauthentically great first date and i think that's what it's kind of getting at is that if you're that self-aware your date can go well, but you can't keep that up. I wish I the think, movie talked about that. That's, I mean, that's what I read is that she was, she can't be herself like that. See, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to believe that about this movie just a little bit because at one, on one hand, you're saying you have to meet this movie where it's at and it's not trying to be smart. And on the other hand, you're saying there's a lot of subtext going on in the scene. I just don't know where to be. Well, I read the subtext. You didn't read the subtext. That's a failure of the movie in some sense of we should all be able to get it. And if I'm saying it's there and you're like, I so don't you see say, it. Are you saying I'm too smart or too dumb? I'm saying it didn't work for you. Okay. Whether whether or not that's It did work for me. It did work for me. That's As what I'm well, saying. No, for it was, me, it's like, I was like, mm, chef's kiss. This moment was perfect. You're like, could have been better. For me, it was good. Yeah. And that's my point is that. It's the same thing with the ending where she has like this this moment with John Ambrose that is a kiss outside in the snow. And it's set up to be a romantic moment and she kisses him. And then, you know, he like, she doesn't go in for a second kiss and he wants to, maybe he should have just let it be one kiss, Um, (laughs) but it's out in the snow and it's, they're dressed up. And then she's like, nah, I realize I'm not in love with John Ambrose. She's like, I'm sorry, I gotta go. She runs and to the front door, you got, Peter waiting there. He's like, Covey. And she's like, Peter. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? And they kiss on this porch that, 
I mean, isn't very cinematically interesting. But what this movie seems to be telling me, if I'm reading the subtext of this, is she has an ideal of what it could be like to be in a really romantic situation with somebody. But what she'd rather have is something true and meaningful, even if it's just on a porch with somebody who's not just like her, right? Um, yeah. I, I, I didn't necessarily read all those details in the same way, but I read the, the arc of this film. We didn't really talk about like the greater meaning of this film, of her quote-unquote relationship with Hotman and her relationship with Peter, is that confrontation you have as a teenager of like just when you just because you're dating someone doesn't mean you're have no feelings for anybody else yeah you and that's a lot of complicated feelings to navigate yeah it is it's very interesting and that's where i was like on board with the film the most it's like i was really interested in how she was going to deal with it but but her thesis statement is um either we weren't really in love or we just weren't ready to be in love who's we uh it's uh, Lara Jean, this is in her narration, and she's, we'll play it here. I thought that if Peter and I were together, the two of us could get through anything. I was wrong. I don't know if that means our love wasn't true or that we just weren't ready for it. But I do know we weren't honest with each other and that I haven't been honest with myself. She's talking about her and Peter. And the reason why they broke up is maybe they just weren't ready to be in a relationship together. Or she wasn't necessarily. She yeah. didn't understand. Well, she doesn't say it. She says it's about them. Yeah. But, but. I, I think her whole coming of age was understanding the responsibility of being in a relationship. Which and is? You have a responsibility. It's just being in a relationship means trust and honesty and communication. And that's just something that she and figures out. Sure. um what no no it's she just she just figures it out i right for me (laughs) what what do you want they figure that's what characters do they figure things out sure i guess like um she like luke skywalker figures out that he wants to join obi-wan kenobi because his parents died okay like that's what he figures out well the main thing is because i i think the main actual thesis of this movie isn't that I need to realize that I need to be a better communicator. Um, It's that, hey, we can't avoid conflict and heartbreak. It's that I'm going to love who I love despite of how they could potentially make me feel. It's about becoming vulnerable. Yeah. And that is kind of mixed by what you said before. What did I say before? You said this movie is about being honest and I, uh, I don't I don't think there's like a definitive like it can only be this thing. I think sure. it's a lot of things at once. And I think that's the issue with the film is that because it's pursuing these realistic teenager stuff, there's a lot of lessons learned, but there's not a real narrative point it comes to. It just kind of has, well, they learned X, Y, Z, A, B, C, one through three, but they don't it doesn't cohere into something poignant or meaningful. It's just a lot of growth. Right. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> So who who the heck, since we're in a high school movie, who the heck would you fall in love with? Kip. <laughs> Kip? Which one's Kip? Wait, was it Kip? The guy who goes Wait. to the wood shop? Trevor. Trevor. Why do I want to call him Kip? Um he he seems like a Kip. He gets a uh he gets a Backstreet Boys or in sync uh a acapellagram and he starts singing with them. Yeah. I ain't nothing but a mistake. Tell me why. I want to hear you say I want 
Kip is cool. the best. He's like a tall, lanky, goofy dude that seems like he's down to clown. And he's dating the other coolest character in this movie, which is her real best, Laura Jean's real best friend, whose yeah. name I also forget. Um, the man, I wanted to like, that was going to be who I was going to pick. You didn't pick him. Because he's just, he's so inoffensive and fun. I think if the characters were more, this is weird, but like, he comes off more of a more realistic character than Laura Jean does. We don't really get to know him that well. Yeah, but, but he just I can, seems like that kid we've known in high school. Yeah, but I can imagine him having flaws aplenty. Having can, a real interior life. Yeah, and having insecurities and loves. Like, for me, it's like what I know about Laura Jean... <laughs> Is she likes dancing around in her room at the beginning of this where it's just like the dresses change from one dress to another dress. And she's like singing about how wonderful it is going to be to be in love with Peter and stuff. And that's all fine and good. But what we know about Laura Jean and what she likes is old 80s movies. Yeah. I feel like Trevor has so much going on. Like Trevor probably likes... You know, video games. He probably likes this sensitive thing that he doesn't tell his friends about. He probably enjoys eating ice cream more than he does drinking. But maybe he drinks at parties just to, like, have fun anyway and because his friends expect him to. Like, just because he is such a blank slate and we just get little bits into this guy's life, I'm like, you could be so much. And that makes him a broader character. Yeah, that's the weird accidental thing about film is that you can have actors with personas that maybe they're not talented and maybe it doesn't work any other time. But for whatever reason, this person and being in this movie brought something just kind of special and real yeah. in spite of everything. Yeah. And I I feel like part of part of film is using your own imagination to fill in the gaps. Like Tolkien used to talk about this in like a book about like if if you introduce an aspect of something and hint that there is a bigger world beyond it it makes the world seem so much bigger because the reader is using their imagination to kind of like fill in the gaps. And this movie does that with Trevor. So I'm going to pick Trevor too. We're both falling in love with Trevor. And I think it's for that same reason that Rachel McAdams is so electric in Mean Girls is that she, for whatever reason, is bringing so much to that role. Charisma is what it's called. (laughs) That other actors would have been more appropriately looked for the film. Sure, because she's like 30. But... She just feels more... She's not 30, but whatever. She's near 30. She's she's closer to 30 than 16 yeah. when she made that movie. Mm-hmm. And it just feels more authentic because of what she's bringing to the film at, with her persona. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't think that's happening as much. I feel with, like Trevor is probably 25. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's happening as much with Lana Condor, who's no. Laura Jean Covey. And she's a good actress. She's very and good. And she's getting better. And she's got... Like, she has the quality. Like... She knows what she's doing, but for whatever reason, and this is no fault of her own, her persona is not bringing as much as another actor could have, and we won't really know what another actor could have. But we just know something's missing that wasn't missing with Heath Ledger sure. from 10 Things I Hate About You. Sure. Or Julia Stiles. Sure. Um, the other characters in this movie that we could have fallen in love with was um, oh, Goth Cousin. And The Neighbor. Oh, yeah, hold on. We'll get to her. But I, at one point in time, they go to this uh, traditional uh, Korean holiday. I, is it Korean? Korean New, New Year, Year, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the girls kind of dress up in traditional garb, which is fun. And they 
they meet who I can only comp to May from uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Are you serious? It looks like the beach threw up all over it. Who's like this super goth cousin who's not impressed by anything except Largene having almost sex in a hot tub with somebody. Yeah. It's really fun. I, I like her. I don't know why she's not in more of the movie. Yeah, they could have used her more. And then the whole subplot that we haven't really talked about this whole time, which might have been one of the only reasons that uh, Lara Jean's younger sister was in the movie, was to forward the plot of the dad starting to date somebody again, which is their next door neighbor. And that was a nice subplot, but it had it brought noth- nothing real to the main plot. And yeah. it's just kind of like, look, if you're going to do a subplot, you need a reason. Mm-hmm. And this, the reason was we need to have a bigger life for her. It, yeah, it felt like we, it felt like we were watching a Star Trek story that had a sea story that is like, oh yeah, that was part of this episode, but it had right. nothing to do with anything else. Right. Worf has fungus <laughs> on his feet, <laughs> and Ugh. that's what he's dealing with in this episode. And he decided to deal with it by going to Ten Forward and talking to Whoopi Goldberg about it. The, the there's this really wonderful like. It is a wonderful, happy, perfect kind of scene where they're all sitting around the table doing a Thanksgiving in March, right? Yeah. It's potluck in April. Thanksgiving. Or, yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Which is fun. I really like that because it feels like something that would be in a movie like, like Family Stone, where it's a weird tradition makes the world seem yeah. bigger. But... Um, at one point in time, we get this story told by the dad. Is something wrong with the green beans? Uh, they're just a little uncovey. No, I mean, I mean, everything else on the table looks like it could be in one of my mom's food and wine magazines. You noticed? Well, he's got a good eye. It's silly. We do a little thing where I get a can of green beans. Oh, it's symbolic. I mean, it's kind of um, for mom. Okay, it sounds like there's a story there. Is there a story? Oh, when I was in college, I got invited to a Thanksgiving party in a dorm room. But the weird thing is, it was the middle of March, and the girl hosting it was the coolest girl I ever saw, Evie, their mom. And she thought it was unfair that the two best holidays of the year were at the end of the year, right on top of each other, and we should just spread the love a little bit and have a potluck for good old March. Right, and at that potluck, when everyone made homemade goods, Dad brought canned green beans. Right. Uh, And she made fun of him the entire night. She made so much fun of me, I thought she was really mad at me. But after, her roommate told you that that's just how she flirts, right? She she teases you. Uh, Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that is a really sweet tradition. Thanks for sharing that story. Yeah, thanks. And so they tell the story to the new woman who got invited over, the neighbor who's now dating the dad, kind of. And she has the line... <clears throat> All right, well, that is a really sweet tradition. It's it's this weird moment where they keep talking about this mom who's died. Mm-hmm. And it it's, it's a moment that could be a little uncomfortable for the wrong person, but we could see that person kind of get over it and make the choice of being like, you know... I'm going to get over like my own pride in this. And obviously this is about a family and I'm going to be like, yeah, let's eat these weird, like green vegetables. That's great. Um, but instead it became very hallmarky, yeah. which, which is fine because the rest of the movie is like that. And that's where this consistency lies is in a place where we're all going to make the decisions that make this pleasant. So, and but I was just, I feel like it was just like, if, if we're going to drop the boot, 
No. Drop it. Like, I, this scene made me like the neighbor more, and it made me like the dad more, and it really made me like Peter more, because Peter at one point in time is like, oh, well, then I'm going to be the new person that has to try these green beans. And this this scene narratively doesn't do anything. It just makes me feel good. Yeah. That's why... <laughs> It's just like, that's why I'm a staunch defender of this film in that regard of saying, look, you're right. It's not that great of a crafted film, but it's accomplishing its job of being a big cotton candy hug. And that's why I'm going to want to champion it hard, because if it went deeper and if it got more interesting uniquely, now you're Francis Ha. Now you're before sunrise. Now you're not that warm hug. Now you're 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 more of a breakfast club where it's like. You're a lot more honest. You're a lot more narrative in- interesting, but that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the hug, and your your hug is now growing cold. <laughs> well, I, I guess they're, 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 for me, it's not an either-or scenario. I think that you can have both of those things in movies like like a Notting Hill or a um, While You Were Sleeping, where it is really, for the most part, a hug, but we're able to have characters have feeling and go to bed angry and, yeah, you know, you know, where where there's just something just a, even if I'm stepping in the snow, I don't want to sink down 12 feet into an ice cave. Mm-hmm. I just want my foot to go in a little bit. I know. But but would you at least meet me in the place of. Since it's not doing that, it's, it doesn't care about it. It's since fine. it doesn't want to do that. Uh-huh. And since that's the rubric that it sets out of saying, look, this is what we want to be. And I'm saying even on their own rubric, it's not an A. It's not even a B plus. It's like a B, lower B in the rubric that it sets up for itself of this is the kind of movie we're trying to be. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be the fluffy movie. It's like as the fluffy movie, you could have been better. You could have had more going on. You could have been more narrative and interesting. Mm-hmm. But at least I will say that's what you want to be. And I'm not. I think it's so funny. You and I are very Ebert Siskel because Ebert always made fun of Siskel for the same thing. He always goes, you're bringing something to the movie that isn't relevant to the movie. And I'm not saying you're necessarily doing that, but your satisfaction of the film kind of hinges on that where it's like you will always hold that against the film. I'm trying to be fair to you. I'm not saying you're holding against the film, but you're saying this dinner scene is good, but could have been better. And for me, it's like this dinner scene is great. Great. Because see, of see, what it is. Because for, that it's a fluffy movie. For, for me, I, I think the it's it's almost like Ted Mosby blinders when when you're when you're watching these moments in mm-hmm. movies. Because there I'll give it to you. Like sometimes I go hard on something for not capitalizing on its potential. Yeah. And that makes me feel like a grump sometimes, and I don't like that. But that's fine. I, I do tend to go there at times. Um and for me it's like Ryan's critical brain gets switched off when you're like, okay, I know I can't use it right now. And so I'm going to, it's like you take a dimmer switch and take a light all the way down to like 2%. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, I am going to stop caring about anything that's under this <laughs> I threshold. mean, really, yeah. It's like when I'm out to dinner and we're at an, an okay restaurant, but my family thought it was going to be nicer than it is. And me as the former server is just like, look, it's really busy. There's only one hostess. Mm -hmm. It's like, I understand that you're used to like this quality of life at a restaurant, but it's a busy night. I can see how stressed the servers are. Like lower your expectations. See, but I can, I can do that for most things. Um, And actually I can do that for a lot of movies, but for some reason, this genre in particular 
it's harder to do. And really the only movies that I have had kind of a, you and I have kind of had a misstep on in regards to our criticism have been the Netflix films. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And I think we agree that the more horrendously offensive films, the odious ones, the ones that we're saying, look, you failed. Those are easy to have opinions on. Our Valentine's Day are, they came together, movies that are just like, you did all these things wrong. And the Netflix movies, it's not that it's doing wrong. It's just kind of going in a direction that's maybe not gelling with one of us. That's just like, that's just not what I'm into when I'm coming to this genre. That's what I feel like set it up and to the and this to all the boys I love before. It's like, look, I'm just not that into it. I'm really interested to show you. There's a Ghibli film that uh, we put on the list called Whisper of the Heart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it is a, to me, a really good portrayal of what it feels like to be an early high school student. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, but there is something fascinating about the character to me. And I'm not going to spoil it, but I wonder if you're not going to know how to feel about it. Because um, I think what these movies have done is you've, I'm trying to get there and I'm I'm getting there every, every time we watch a new Netflix movie, I'm getting closer and closer to being there. I still have a rubric as a critic that I'm going to uphold, but I am lowering my expectations for the sake of being able to enjoy something. Yeah, this, but okay. But this movie that I'm going to show you, I think it might confuse you because I think you're not going to know what to expect. In what way? Well, it's kind of a movie that, like other Ghibli films, it gets a little fantastical and it touches on something deep and universal in all of us. But in other ways, it feels very much like a seventh grader being, or a ninth grader, I, I forget exactly what grade she's in, but just dealing with what it feels like to be that age yeah well that's the thing like a good children's film is like my neighbor totoro that is designed for children but speaks to all of us i have a ball when i watch that movie as a grown-up um whether it's the kid in me or the new dad in me like when i first watched it i was a pending dad to be because my wife was pregnant and i was just like i can't wait to be. you were a buffering dad yeah and uh that's what we talk about when we say movie crafted for someone but works for everyone that's that's the home run and so you're saying has the potential to be the home run but it might not be because i'm not saying it has a potential to be a home run i'm just saying if you're going to make a movie i i am i am and if i'm going to watch that movie I guess it's it's the same thing as I don't quite enjoy, neither do you in a certain regard, some reality television. Right. Right. Um, but you can get into the headspace to watch it if you must. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that Does that mean that you're going to say, well, what it really is is actually really good because it's not trying to be anything other than it is? Or are you just going to have your opinions about it? Well, it's like when Fraser Crane goes to a restaurant. And if that restaurant has 12 televisions in the restaurant, he's immediately going to think this is not a good restaurant. And he has food wise or just as the experience is like it can't be that good because it has 12 televisions. in it. 
Sure. Uh, but when he goes down to McGinty's, he knows what he's getting into. Right. But it's... he just has to be in the mood to drink a beer with his dad. He still doesn't want to be there, but he will for now. And I think that's what this movie is. I think that's what a lot of Netflix movies are. It's like, look, we're going to Red Robin. I don't know what you're expecting, but it's Red Robin. <laughs> I like going to Red Robin sometimes, and which is why I enjoyed Set It Up more Yeah. than this movie. Yeah, because I can have a good time at Red Robin. Sure. But if I'm bringing people along who are expecting a a Fraser Crane style restaurant, <laughs> you're gonna have a bad time. Welcome to Fraser's. <laughs> oh my God, we should start a Fraser Crane theme restaurant. We are <laughs> dressing up as Fraser Crane this Halloween, or you're dressing up as Fraser. I'm dressing up as Niles, mm-hmm. and then our ladies is Rosin Daphne. But I think that's what it comes down to: is that it's good, but it's better for other people who have who are coming to this film looking for certain things. Are you going to go back and watch the first movie? No. Are you going to go back and watch the second one? Not necessarily, but if I, it's, it's that thing where it's like, if I had a 12 year old, I would be happy to rewatch it with them. Okay. I'm see for me, I'm having faith enough that there are so many movies that came out before this that I would love to show my 12 year old. And there's probably going to be movies that come out after this that I'm going to love to show them. I don't necessarily need to show them these ones. Right. I don't know what it'll bring to their life. And I think the 12-year-old, like, it's movie night, and 12-year-old gets to pick. I could easily see them picking this one. Sure. I'll be there, and I'll I'll be in the room with them, and I will let them make up their own mind about it. And enjoy it. And if they enjoy it and love the hell of it, great. So um, just before we pick our, our next movie, we're going to do a letters segment. Welcome to letters. Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you've got mail. You sent me a letter. You've got mail. We we got a um, a letter from, or I guess an email from Darcy Juarez, which uh, who knows Ryan? Yeah. Hi. Hey. <laughs> and uh, she wanted to comment on our British Jones episode. British Jones, who is a named by Bridget. Bridget, Bridget Jones episode. Uh, she says, hey, gents, thanks for another episode. You mentioned wanting to read the book, Bridget Jones. I would highly recommend the audiobook performed by Barbara Rosenblatt. She is an incredible reader and brings a lot of sparkle to the story. Cheers, Darcy. I like this. She said cheers afterwards because it felt very British. Yeah. Great cool. British Jones. We her. will check that out. That sounds yeah. like a good, if I'm going on a, well, I'm not going on a road trip anytime soon, but road trip, that sounds like it would be a good use yeah, of time. Yeah, maybe... Maybe we can, you, me, Sarah, and Robin, like sometime in the spring can like go, go travel coast. somewhere and we could just listen to this on the way. Down the Southern Oregon coast? Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. Go to a little Sylvia Beach Hotel? Yeah. Um, well, what are we going to watch next week then? Let's see. Give me a number. Okay. I think I'm going to give you number 16 because Lara Jean was 16 in this movie. <sighs> <laughs> This is going to be interesting. It is There's Something About Mary. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, I haven't. When was the last time you watched this movie? Good 10, 15 years. I have only ever caught bits and pieces of it. Will it hold up? Will it hold up? Uh, well, uh, if you uh, have anything to say about uh, Lara Jean Covey, Peter Covey. Covey. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey. What's going on? What's going on? Kravinsky? Travinsky? Um That's eh. from Goldeneye. <laughs> uh, please feel free to email us at romcomgents at 
gmail.com or hit us up and like us on Instagram or Facebook. You can even write us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would love that. Tell your friends about us. It's the best way for anybody to hear about podcasts. I love being told about podcasts by my friends. So, you know, get out there and do How that. many podcasts are in your like podcast oh, my, app? I would say I have about 30 podcasts. So like I used to have 30, but then I looked through them. And I'm like, I haven't listened to any of these episodes. And then I like started removing them, but I got it down to like 12. I was like, I can't remove any of these. Maybe I don't listen to them every single week, but I feel more comfortable for it being there. I, I do that as well. Like sometimes I'll not listen to something for like three months, but then I'll be like, mm, binge time. Yeah. So um, just, you know, tell your friends, throw it on the on the subscription list on your little podcast app. Maybe you don't listen to it right away, but it's there. And then someday <laughs> it just comes along. You're like, you know what? Let's do it. You've basically turned us into the to all the boys I love before podcasts. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Well, you know, it's there for you if you really need to you know, listen to something. Or if you're 14, this is your new favorite movie. This is your new favorite podcast, 14 year old. Where we talk about mainly old movies. <laughs> You're going to love Before Sunrise. Um, man, if I was 14 and I watched Before Sunrise, I wouldn't get it. But if I was 16, I would have been like, the world is my oyster. <laughs> um, well, join us next week for another great episode of uh, A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. And an uh, episode where we get to find out, is that really hair cream? <laughs> Okay, well, on that note, talking about such substances, I will say I love you, Kelly. Oh, I love you, too. I appreciate it. And this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe. We'll even take a bribe. See you next week on a gentleman's guide to rom-coms. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Whoa, 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 hey, hey, what's going on? What's going on? Whoa, 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 hey, hey, what's going on? What's going on?